Welcome to Dodgers Daily. Casey Porter here. Hey, I have a very, very, very special guest. This is a guy that I have known all the way back to my childhood as far as knowing who he is. He was a, a assistant coach, pitching coach, one of the best pitching coaches in all the United States at Stanford. Some of those Stanford teams that my Oklahoma State teams could not beat. So, hey, this is a guy. He brought James Altman, my favorite Dodger player, into the organization. I am so pumped to talk to area scout in the Dodgers organization, Tom Kunis. So, Tom, thank you so much for joining. Casey, thanks for having me. Wow, okay. those are the big words right there. <laughs> well, I meant every one of them. I, I am so excited. I've been, you know, I, I told you before we came on, and this is the truth of all the, the requests that I get for for interviews. You are definitely at the top of the list because you brought in James Altman. You have the history at Stanford, and and I mentioned you quite a bit whenever I talk about James and that kind of deal. So a lot of people have wanted to bring you in. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to a case. Let's roll. Now let's do it. Okay, so let's talk about your background. And I, and I like to talk about this just to kind of show Dodgers fans how much experience actually goes into the scouting services. People ask, why are the Dodgers such good in the – why are they so good in the scouting department? Well, listen to this pedigree and resume. Coach at San Jose State, head coach at De Anza College, pitching coach at Cal Poly, pitching coach at Stanford. You had – I think 11 or 12 All-American pitchers, something like that. You had several draft picks. And then you were also a head coach at the college level as well. So talk about your experience in the game before you became a scout. Yeah, so uh, 30 years in total of college coaching. Um, and, and San Jose State in there as well, because that's kind of where my D1 world started, where I had to um, kind of step up my game, so to speak. Sam Perraro was the – the head coach, legendary uh, Sam Perraro. Um, so, you know, my I at first I got started in the junior college ranks um, after I had, you know, tried to play as long as I could, uh, converted in, you know, middle infielder to pitcher, uh, just wasn't good enough. Um, went back to school, was finishing up a course, ran into my old junior college coach who asked me to come on board and, and try to help out a club. And Next thing you know, I say yes, and uh, I get my $500 stipend, and and off we go, right? And I'm figuring I'll do this until I finish college over the next two years. And uh, four years later, Sam Perraro gets a job at San Jose State. He calls me, says, hey, would you be interested in interviewing for this job? I I said, I, I don't think I'm ready for you know that level yet. I, I need some seasoning. And he goes, I'll be the judge of that. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm the pitching coach at San Jose State. Go on from San Jose State. Um, title nine kicks in. Uh, we, we lost the position. My, my role, uh, changed. Um, I was working graveyard by the way, um, mm. while coaching full-time working oh, yeah. at say, a grocery store. And then, um, probably so, mowed the grass, did all the, all the oh, field maintenance oh, and all that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> drove you had, the bus. You had, I did junior college. You drove the bus. <laughs> Absolutely. Too. Uh, but you know, so Sam, Richie price, I don't know if you oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, Kansas. And, yeah, so Richie was a local junior college head coach and was looking for a pitching guy. He calls me over for lunch. Next thing you know, I'm viewing one of his games, Jerry Weinstein on the opposing end, mm -hmm. and uh, he 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 tricked me is what he did, <laughs> and, and and he knew I'd get my juices flowing, the coaching juices flowing. Next thing you know, I'm his pitching coach for four years. He moves on to Cal Poly. I become the head coach. He hires me at Cal Poly. Uh, my, I had 
you know, back then you could play games in the fall. You could play Division One games. You could play a, a full schedule, you know, like, you know, 10, 12, you know, D1 games in the fall. Um, we had played San Jose, you know, San Jose State had played Stanford several times in there. So when I was at Cal Poly and the legendary pitching coach and uh, uh, Tom Dutton uh, oh, retired, yeah. I get a phone call from Stanford. It says, hey, like, like to just talk to you about this job, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, I'm the pitching coach at Stanford. Um, wow. And so I spend eight years over there, um, you know, matriculated out for various reasons, family reasons. Got another JC job, head coach. Uh, Sam Perraro hires me back as his uh, associate head coach. And, you know, the rest is history. 30 years pass, Case. Wow, that's amazing. It's And it's amazing, too, just hearing you talk. And, and I don't know if you know the name Eddie Davis. He's one of my best friends in the world. He played in the Cardinals organization forever. He was a first-round draft pick in the 70s. But it just it's amazing just when I hear you guys talk how small the baseball world is, isn't it? Small. Yeah. I mean, incredible, isn't it? Fun. Well, look, yeah. we're, we're on here with you you and me, Case. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. This is super fun. And, two, you know, you're talking about Juco background. Henny has Juco background, which yeah. I think that really helps him kind of understand, hey, how do we have to win games but still have an ultimate goal to move guys on to the next level? I think he has a built-in advantage of that. Then Division One coaching. So when you look at that, and especially at the JUCO rank, sometimes you're looking at really raw talent, and you're thinking, okay, well, it's not about what he is right now. It's what it, what I can make him if I get him in my system. I would have to think that that translated very well into the scouting department. Uh, it's, you know, critical. The key piece, like, um, you have to be able to, you know, just being around it, right? So, yes, that's a critical piece. The other part that's really critical is the networking piece. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you know, whatever, you know, playing at different levels, you're going to meet a million coaches, you know, the Augie Garritos, the Dave Snows and the Gillespies, and, you know, you get to know these guys a little bit and all that stuff, you know, those little nuggets you pick up along the way, Um not only and then the ABCA, you know, you go to the that national uh, convention where you're seeing these same guys and you're bantering, you know, you know, different things about baseball, whether it's training or, or what have you. But you're talking a lot about players. You're talking about players and how they've developed and how did you get this guy to do that? So, yeah, it's all encompassing. It's all that. But, uh, you know, I think the bigger piece is probably the networking piece and and the trust factor and be able to get information from different coaches and and because they know you 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 probably get a little more you get a little more juice you know you get a little more leeway so yeah all that matters what'd you see in james james Altman? of course you're the scout that that signed him he had you know he was more plug and play defensively probably coming out of sac state reggie is great on the defensive side Probably had a lot of offensive upside, I'm, I'm guessing here. So what did you see in James Outman? Well, first and foremost, it's the tools. I mean, um, you know, big runner, just the body alone. You know, you can see how he looks today, and it wasn't that far different uh, back then. But an incredible frame, really good mover, um, the speed, and then arm, okay, but room to grow. Uh, crashing fences in right field. He was playing right field at the time, yeah. and you, you could easily dream on the the fact that there's there's got to be center field percent here. Um, so all of that. But I I think that you know we we'll talk again about cementing the deal. 
with with certain guys where you just go, this guy's really, really good uh, in a lot of ways. But the one way that he really kind of stole my heart a little bit is is the meetings. Like, yeah, when you get that feeling where you're dealing with a, a, a human, and I use the word human a lot because it's hard to find people who are so genuine, people that really care and are driven, like really driven. Um, and this guy was riveting. I, I, I was telling someone else on a, on a podcast not too long ago, the meeting I had with him and his stare, like locked in in a conversation and be able to you know, banter in a conversation, have dialogue, was incredible. Like the locked in with the eyes thing, that, that man can listen like nobody's business. He's paying attention. And then have that dialogue to be able to kind of go back and forth on what do you do? How does your body move? You know, you know, questions that you ask and, you know, how do you deal with the vertigo? How do you, how do you, you know, how are you going to, you know, handle pro ball? Like you're, it's not like you're having a great year and, and, you know, you've, you've had, you know, some things, you know, in your life in the football world where it's not been all baseball. So how, do, how are we going to do that and, and have answers and be able to. So I think it's that genuineness and that ability to kind of, you know, kind of engage you that just steals your heart. Like, and, and then you got the tools and you got a guy that's just going to be kind of a badass. No you know? doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And he had a two-sport background. You mentioned the football. He was a linebacker in the football, which I think is why he's so fearless around the wall and those kinds of things and so aggressive. So do you like the two-sport guys, especially guys that play like linebacker positions that are very aggressive? Do you see some upside in them? Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it for me, it gives – like if I got two guys that are the same, right? I'm, I'm going to take the guy with a little bit of that football background myself. Because of what you just said, there's a toughness, there's a different, you know, different sports, they teach you different skills. And part of, you know, football is being disciplined. It's, it's, you know, again, being driven. Um, and yeah, that, that helped, that helped me a bunch. And, and then speaking to his high school football coach, uh, you want to hear somebody who gets excited about talking about James Altman. Oh yeah. Wow. His, his high school football coach couldn't, couldn't get off him when you go through those ebbs and flows that you're going to do as a minor leaguer. And of course, James did that. Um, and you can fall back on a work ethic. Yes. And that you're not, you're just not going to have those huge wells in that downside. You, you, that even keeledness that you need in baseball, as we know, um, that served him well. And then you add in the fact that, you know, this, this guy is just, such a good human a good teammate man you got something special and so i'm i don't think anyone's surprised between you and i for sure no doubt and i think you know with the scout i think a lot of people think well you're a scout you go see a guy you write a report on paper but i don't think people realize that like you said the networking how important that is so you being in the california area and the coaching ranks and then also you scout the nevada ranks how important has has your experience in California been for actually working for a team, the Los Angeles Dodgers that are located in California? Yeah. So, you know, it's, you kind of have, you know, the, you, you know, the landscape, right. Of, of California. Yeah. And you kind of know, you know, obviously in LA, it's a different, probably a different world. I know it's a different world because I've, I've coached in double A I've coached in Tulsa. 
I've coached in, in uh, you know, up in Michigan with our Loon Club. And so, uh, you know, it's a different environment there. So I think uh, just being able to take like some of my higher end prospects, having those opportunities to do a fall workout at the stadium. Uh, it's so easy to convince or do a pre-draft just before, you know, we get into the draft in July. That's, that's a pretty big deal, right? Being able to get those guys because they don't live far and to be able to get that exposure with them there, it just enhances our ability to, to really decide, you know, who this kid is and what he brings to the table. So that's big. That piece is big. And by the way, you know, I'll say, like in James Altman's case and like all of our, you know, the drafts case, we do such a great job of using the wisdom of the crowd. You know, we get multiple, multiple looks. This is the, the advantage that the Dodgers have is that they invest in their scouting. And those looks are so important. Obviously, we're talking about human beings, too, and being able to get boots on the ground. That's, that's Im- imperative in this day and age of analytics. But when you get the wisdom of the crowd and you get people like my boss at the time, uh, Paul Kogan was instrumental in helping move this thing along. You have to have that in the draft room. And then when you've got, you know, the, the people who are so well seasoned at the top who uh, you know, are open to, and want to hear and, and explain about these. I mean, that is so huge. One of the biggest questions that I always get as far as scouting goes is what does a scout actually do? Everybody knows that you go to games, you hold radar guns, you, you look at advanced analytics, you write reports, that kind of thing. But take us through the exact process of scouting. How do you find guys? How do you go watch them? What are you looking for? Those kinds of things. Yeah. So, you know, it starts with the network, right? Um, I would go to various events. Okay, high school showcases, the biggest, bigger high school showcases, you know, uh, make phone calls with, you know, people I know in, in my network, which, again, you know, I'm fortunate. I've got a pretty extensive one. And they're going to give you, you know, the hint. Like, you might want to see this guy, you might want to see that guy. And, you know, if you've got any work ethic at all, you're, you're in a car and you're going. Where I live in Northern California, up by, uh, you know, north of Sacramento, about 30 minutes north of Sacramento. So, for me, uh, it, to cover my area all the way down to Visalia and then, you know, up to Reno, and I also have Hawaii, um, I've got to be able to get in my car, drive typically about two and a half, three hours one way pretty much every day, right? So you've got to be able to – so when I hear and I can discern from coaches and people I, you know, trust, uh, I'm going to make that, that call. And so I build out a follow list in the fall of where I'm going to go, um, I build out schedules in that downtime between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. And then I'm, I'm off to the races when, you know, now we've started. It's early January and I'm already hitting the ground running, right? We're trying to figure these guys out. In that meantime, like when I identify somebody I've seen on my follow list, that time, that six-week period, I'm spending a lot of time on, you know, in doing more computer work, trying to get zooms, trying to get background, trying to figure out who these guys are. And when you find, you know, when you really connect with somebody and then my follow kind of, hey, this guy's the upside, the projection, those type of things, I'm going to be on that guy, right? I'm going to be on that guy more than the average person. Do you say Hawaii? I have Hawaii. Yeah. How did you negotiate that into your contract? 
It, it, it fell into my lap, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, be careful what you ask for yeah. because, you know, that trip, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a really extensive. Like, you yeah. have to have a schedule that you can move quickly because you can't. I mean, it's expensive. And, I, you know, I, I worry about that stuff. So, but I want to move. I want to be able to move. I can't spend a week there. I've got to get back. And then you've got some jet lag, and but you've got to be back on the road that next day. So, I mean, it's hard, you know, it, it's not as uh, fun and easy as you think, right? Yeah. And it's and it's you know the temptation to want to get out to that beach and do some of the fun things that you see everybody doing on vacation there. Um, you can't do them, and so it's, it's so it's a little bit of torture. I'll bet it is. Hey, I mentioned that only to say. What I get a lot, too, is they think that the life of a minor leaguer is glamorous, and there is some glamour to it. The life of a scout is glamorous and all this because you're going to baseball games, and people know who you are, and there is some of that. But, man, there is a real daily grind to it, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, I signed up for it, and that's that's part of it, you know. And I think, again, you know, why the Dodgers do so well, have such a stout, you know, minor league, you know, system is because we – we're really good at the whole draft, right? Um, yeah. And that boots on the ground, you have to get out there. You've got to find those nuggets, you know, the Justin Brules, the Tony Gonsolins, uh, you know, DJ Peter. You know, you've got to find those guys that that probably aren't going to the top of the draft that maybe a lot of people don't know, um, but you've found out about them, you've done your homework on them, and next thing you know, these guys are special people. I know Jonah Rosenthal's found a couple of those with Jake Polarski. I'm sure you know Jonah. And I have no idea how Peyton Martin dropped all the way to the 17th round. But, that man, isn't that unbelievable? It is. It is, man. But that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it's not, you know, maybe it's a God whisper every once in a while. But, uh, you know, it's hard work, right? It's mm-hmm. hard work that eventually, you know, you get paid off for it. You get You get rewarded. You definitely do. We'll get to that here in just a minute, how you get rewarded the most. But, hey, what things would you say that you like about the scouting industry and being a scout the most, and which parts of it would you say that, that you probably look forward to the least? Well, I'll start with the dri- you know The driving's not good. I mean, that's not <laughs> – but it is what it is, right? You're, you're sitting, you know, for hours on end, and uh, sometimes that gets very monotonous. You're away from home quite a bit. Um, so – you know, that's probably the most difficult piece. But, you know, it makes it all worth it when you call James Outman and you say, listen, we're going to take you in a moment here. You're going to be drafted by the Dodgers. That, I, th- I think that moment when they, when they are just uh, so appreciative and they know that, you know, now I get to kind of – live my dream out and get to and and the response is you won't regret this tom you will not regret this and and mean it like those moments are magical they don't get any better and they last forever it lasts forever and it you know it, it sets up a relationship forever yes you when know? you have a guy and sometimes it only takes one and sometimes it is only one when you have a guy that believes in you to the point where he's able, he's willing to put his name on you to an organization like the Dodgers, and then they make your dreams come true because of that guy's recommendation. That's a pretty special bond, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't know where else you'd get it. Yeah, I don't know where you can find it in any other industry, you know. 
So yeah, that's that's even even the the guys some some of the picks that you know haven't panned out. I mean, it's a, it's a spe- that goes on their resume forever, mm-hmm. right? I was a professional baseball player, sure, with the Dodgers and the, you know Dodgers obviously they're they're claimed you know it's international, so you know that's that's just a you know it's just a cool cool thing to be able to do. It absolutely is. So kind of the way that they're looking at the Dodgers, just evaluating the type of pitchers they have, the type of offensive players they have. It seems like from the pitching market, they like the high riding four seams, the tunnel change ups where they can split the zone vertically, the left turning sliders, that kind of thing. And then hitting wise, they like the home run guys. They don't mind the strikeouts quite as much as some other organizations. So it does seem like they have a mold a little bit. Do they do they do they hold you to that mold as far as the type of guys they want you to go look for, or do they give you total autonomy in terms of the tools and talent that that you want to go see? Yeah, there are no there there no. It's full autonomy, right? You see talent, and you present the talent, and it doesn't just have to be you know a twenty two inch riding fastball that ninety eight. Uh, you know we've got all kinds of you know shapes, sizes, what have you. Can this guy play the play the game of baseball? And can he help us win? And how do you see that happening? And so that that takes all kinds, you know. So and we do have all kinds. You look at you look at some of our our roster, our minor league rosters. You know, guys that are primed to to come up. You know, we've got guys that are that are not huge Bobby Millers, yeah. right? You know, Bueller's not not a huge human, but super super talented, athletic. You know, twitchy, what have you. So it takes all that, and and it's not. Yeah, of course we've got guys that can bop it out of the ballpark, right? We've got big power. We've got those type of things, but you got a complete player. Mookie Betts. Are you kidding me? How about, you know, Freddie? I yeah. mean, yeah, those, you, those guys can hit, those guys can play defense. Those guys can run, you know? So, I mean, it's a, it's a complete player. If you're going to play for the Dodgers, you got to be a complete player. And you know, I tell people this all the time, the culture, I, I, I just preach about it all the time. You have to be a better person then you are a baseball player to be a, 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 in the Dodgers system. That's why you scout. That's why you get on. You start figuring out who these people are. Yeah. Right? No because doubt. Because those guys are going to represent you and this organization. Right? And, I, and I'm sure in a dugout with some of these guys. Right? So I'm going to be proud of the guy that's sitting next to me. That's for sure. And, you know, our player development, like, you know, it starts from the top down. You know, it starts from Andrew and Gomer and – and, 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 you know, Bernsey, like, you know, our front office is the culture. And when it trickles down into player development, the, you know, Rhymes and Gasparino and, you know, Fitzpatrick and, you know, these guys just carry that mantra down. And then it's culture, coaches that know how to teach and they know how to care. I mean, you know, people with, you know, it's, it's, the growth mindset over fixed mindset. It's, you know, simple. It sounds simple, but when you have a mass, and I mean, a mass of human beings, like in no other business, and I've never seen this, and I've been in some big business before, you know, working in some big business, you can't find a better organization as large as this one is to have this type of culture. It's impressive. It is I, it's unbelievable. Impressive. It's hard to do this. And, and, you know, you know how you say these are the good old days, right? Or those were the good old days. Well, we're in the good old days, 
right? So take advantage of it while we got it. And I'm not just talking because you got Shohei and we got, you know, you know, Glasnow and, and uh, you know, it's not because it's because of who we are from the top down. It's huge. It's one thing to have all the money that the Dodgers have and all the resources the Dodgers have, but it's another thing to have the scouting department and development department. What separate the Dodgers are just so much better, it seems to me like, than almost every other team in major leagues at scouting and developing. What separates the Dodgers? Uh, biggest part is the care piece. Like we do not cookie cookie cut anything, nothing. It's looking at the individual. What does he need? Where do we start? What you know? And a lot of smart people and having that ability to come together and make those type of decisions, you know, with that care piece in mind, and that projection, looking at that pathway to the big leagues, you got have to be really good at that. And again, when you when you have that mindset of, you know, the growth mindset, you know, growth mindset is I, I, I hear you out, you hear me out, we talk and we, we come to an agreement. If I could tell you how many conversations I've been in, you know, I mean, it's so numerous, but that dialogue, that bantering, that figuring out on this one individual and doing it 200 plus times in a in a in a spring training environment to figure out how we're going to move this guy along is it's unprecedented i i'm going to say that we are the best at doing that Mm -hmm. and so you get rewarded you win and you have a really good minor league system that allows you to have the flexibility to do what we do at the major league level oklahoma state will bring in like a utah tech used to be dixie state and they'll have Five guys that throw 94 miles an hour, and you're just going, God. I mean, every <laughs> seems like every college has 93, 94. So I, I, I say that only to say there are so many great baseball players in the world. How do you distinguish which ones are actually better than the others? That, that's what I don't understand. How can you look at all this unbelievable talent, all these 94-mile-an-hour fastballs, and be able to go, well, I think that guy's better than these guys? How do you do that? Yeah, well, it's a lot of that, right? It's it's a lot of that, what we talked about already. Like, okay, you do have to look at the analytical piece. What little nugget here is a little different from this guy. Um, again, I'm going to get back to the makeup piece. Like, that, that is huge. Like, you know, if I, and, you know, if the guy, guy played football and that guy didn't, I'm probably going to give the nod to the guy who played some football and, and he's got a little more, you know, toughness streak to him. Um, again, the analytics piece, the metrics on that, you know, what have you, how he competes. Uh, winners like does this guy like to play baseball and win does he have baseball aptitude does he have the ability does he have some body awareness can he can can this guy tell you how he moves and 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 what he needs to get better you know there are some guys who are super talented that can't give you that information and you have to separate you have to go well i'm gonna go with this guy you know because you this guy you know gives you the warm fuzzies that he's got a better idea what's cooking I love that you said that. That makes my day because we tell kids all the time, hey, what's going to separate you from another guy are your two eyes. And when we say that, we mean your IQ and then also just your 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 intangibles. So your IQ and your intangibles is going to separate you from the rest. And you, you have to be a problem solver. You have to yes. be somebody who has the ability to, 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 in humility, look at himself and say, okay, here's – what I do now, 
and I'm not great at this, but I'm, I'm working on that. Here's what I really do well, and I'm going to that, and I have a good pulse for that, right? But problem solve. It's, it's a con- this game is about problem solving, routinely, game to game, sometimes a bat to an a bat, right? So that, that's super. But if you don't have the work ethic piece, the piece that says hey, every day I'm going to get incrementally better, it kind of washes itself. It's, it's like doesn't, it's not going to work. So it's the analytics, gonna... you were in the game at a very high level before. I mean, you had analytics. We, we've always known what a batting average is and, and ERA and that kind of stuff. We've had stats. But the advanced analytics, there's just so many of them. You can create a narrative for whatever. <laughs> you can defend a narrative with any stat that you want to find nowadays with the advanced analytics. So for a guy like you that came into the game before them, and now that you know it's just so heavily, some of these organizations, especially the Dodgers, are so heavily relied upon them. How does a guy like you incorporate the analytics? Well, you know, uh, you know, in that six week period we were talking about. Um, where you're doing downtime administrative work, you're finding more out about the players that you've got on your on your prep list that you know for the you know on your follows. In there, we also do on the player development side and scouting side. We do little classes. We we learn how to kind of break out. You know, we have a really cool um, extensive, as you talked about, um, analytical page jizz that we can do a deep dive on. We can get more like, you know, what is, you know, X pitch mean? What does HQC mean? What is, you know, what, and what's good? What's bad? You know, we, we talk about that stuff. We have classes. So you're learning. And I, that's probably, you know, I should have said that that advantage that we have compared to probably other 20, the other 29 clubs, we do really well in that arena where we're, we're continually trying to learn ourselves. And so I take that information and I apply it and I try not to go deep dive. Like scouting is not my job. We have people that are hired to do that. But if I can point to it, if I can point to this area, knowing again, from my knowledge, when I've been learning in our teaching moments, learning moments, um, it just helps, you know, make the, the, you know, the understanding, more concrete of who this player is. And it's one thing to say you have a statistic here, you have an advanced analytic here on a person, but then you have a guy like Tom Kunis that can actually provide the the on-the-field context to it, correct? I mean, that would that be a correct way to say it? It's perfect. That's exactly what happens. And so when you, when I present a player and you can, you again, you're pointing to this, pointing to that, pointing to that, you know, the tools are tools, right? Anybody can evaluate those, you know, case. Anybody can go, okay, he can, he can, right? And you, and you put a, you know, you put a, a twenty eighty scale grade on them. Okay, anybody could do that. But when you put those tools to work with the psyche, the you know, the guy, the work at the guy that's out, you know, trying to figure out pitcher, the guy that's trying to figure out the hitter, and he can, you know, uh, and you can point to those things that you've learned about this guy. That's when it gets fun. That's yeah. when you're going, dude. Like, I'm I'm getting excited about talking about this yeah. guy, right? And yeah. then you go. Take him. Take him. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because uh, the, the Trailblazers called Bobby Knight about Michael Jordan, and, and they asked him, hey, should we take Michael Jordan? And he said, yes. And they said, well, we need a center. And then he said, well, then play him at center. <laughs> exactly. He's good enough. Take him and put him somewhere because he's that good, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Okay, what is the most rewarding part? I think I know what the answer is going to be here, but what is the most rewarding part of being a scout? You know, again, I think it's, you know, developing the relationships, you know, uh, but it's competitive, right? I mean, even as a coach, right, the, the thing that's hard to get out of baseball for me is winning. Like, I like to win. I want to win a day. I want to win. Well, I want to beat somebody. I want to beat my counterparts in, in, in the draft room if I, if I can do that. But it's winning at the end of the day. Having our major league cl- club win because I was able to provide something and then make that kid's life because he got an opportunity. I mean, I mean, it's that combination. But yeah, I'm still competitive. Case, I, I still like winning, man. I never thought about that element from the scouting department as far as the competitive part of it. Is by God, I want to be the guy that's in on this guy and the guy that helps this team. I never thought of it from that perspective. That's really neat. Yeah, well, you'd do it too, Case. Yeah, If you were in my shoes, you'd be doing the same thing, man. <laughs> okay, man, I have told a thousand kids what college coaches are looking for, what scouts are looking for. Let's see if I'm right. So if I were to give, if you were to give advice to a kid who knows a scout is coming to watch them or doesn't, what would you tell them is the most important thing they could do to get that scout's attention? Play baseball like you're 12 years old. Like when you put your uniform on the bed and you woke up mom and dad at 6 a.m. on a Saturday because you got a noon game and you can't wait to get to the ballpark and you decide you're going to watch two games in front of it. Like that passion, that hunger, uh, play like that. But, you know, please don't look up in the stands. Don't look for, you know, what we you you can control what you can control. The uncontrollables, like what I think, what I write. You have, there's nothing you can do about it. So, but what you can do is you can play baseball at a high level. You can play like you love it, like this game's important to you. And that means running down the line, right? Four times a game, you can do that hard. Like, go make a great play. And to be able to do those things, you better be invested in this game. Show that you love playing this game. So the passion piece is going to be really important. But play the game. You can't worry about me in the stands. I can't. You, you, have, you can't control that. That is absolutely awesome. I think I can't thank you enough, Tom, for coming on here. This, this has been just an absolute pleasure for me. I have one last question for you, though, yes. and I did not put this in the question bank that I sent you, and I did that on purpose. Have you had a chance to throw BP lately? I have. Oh! I still- <laughs> well, I now, who did you talk into letting you do that? Well, Cooper Kunis, my, my, my 16-year-old, <laughs> okay. still playing. So his high school, Oakmont High School, uh, here in Roosevelt. He uh, so we I, I throw BP to he and some of his buddies still. And, and in fact, I threw some BP not too long ago uh, at a at a indoor facility here in Sacramento to some big leaguers. I won't mention, but uh, yeah, man, I still throw it. Case I still throw it. And guess what? I still swing a fungo. Oh, and do you really? I'm not good, but I'm not bad. Oh, so are you a right-handed tosser, or do you toss it with your left hand? Left. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had to switch. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I, I tried for a while. I go, I'm, I, I just suck at this. <laughs> so, and then I saw Garrido, you know, Augie back in the day. I saw Augie doing it yeah. that way. And I go, thanks, Augie, because at least you give me credibility for being a bad fungo swinger the way I toss it. You know, but but I get it there. I get it there. It's like, hey, dude, I'll hit fungos and practice all day, but I'm not going to be the guy that does it before games and in and out. I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, the guy that's on. Yeah, the guy that goes discreetly about his business. Oh yeah. You know? He takes the two little shuffles, has to look pretty, all that kind of thing. Hey, by the way, Augie Garrido, before we get out of here, I don't know if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen that big meltdown when he was at Texas and he was telling the kids. It's so funny because Tom Holliday was his pitching coach at the time, and Tom is from Stillwater, and Tom was in the background. Matter of fact, I just got to talk to Tom about Oh, about two months ago at an Oklahoma State camp, and I asked him about it, and it was just the funniest thing of that reaction. Was that not the best meltdown of all time from Augie Garrido? the best that's why you watch that thing about you know 10 times every year oh yeah kind of get the juices flowing again you know yeah if this was yeah. a fight you would be dead <laughs> right you so better great. believe it baby hey tom again what a wonderful what a wonderful time i have had talking to you this has been a great experience getting to meet you congratulations on all the great work you've done in this wonderful game of baseball and thank you so much by the way for for not selling out to the advanced analytics and signing James Altman to the Dodgers. Thanks, Casey. You're, you're the best, man. I appreciate you.